What's up, guys? Another opportunity to learn about a different topic in the sports world. And on the show today, it's a completely different topic than I've ever talked about on the show in the five years of the show's existence. We're talking about cheer and dance. And we're going to be talking to an, an individual who has a ton of experience from the coaching, from the judging side of things. You do not want to miss this episode. We're going to dive into this and talk about whether or not cheer and dance are considered sports. We're going to be talking about the club scene versus the high school scene. We're going to be talking about the mental aspect of being a cheerleader or a dancer at the competitive level. We're going to be talking about the judges and what goes into judging and the pressures that they have there too. So much that's brand new information here on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. And I've been doing this show for a little over five years. I've talked to different sports figures from across the entire world. That's why we're in 93 different countries now. So major shout out to everybody that has uh, tuned in and supported and has been a guest on the show and whatnot. But one thing that I have not done is talk about this specific topic. And so as you guys have heard in the introduction, I've kind of showed you what we're going to be talking about today. You might have been reading it on the description of the show. Um, we're talking about the cheer and dance scene. So I cannot wait to break this down. This has been something that you know I've debated on my on my social media platforms. We've had many discussions with uh, various individuals on my social media platforms, but I've never actually had an interview about this topic. So first and foremost, I want to say thanks to everybody for tuning in. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome aboard. Make sure to hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to this on an Apple device, like your iPhone or a, a Mac computer, whatever it may be, make sure to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. When you guys leave reviews, it helps get it out to more people. That's how the algorithm works. There's no secret there. Um, I don't want to I don't want to sugarcoat it. If you leave me a review, it gets seen by more people. It gets pushed to more people. So every time I get a review on Apple Podcasts, it helps me out. So anybody listening right now, if you haven't done so already, please leave me a review. Five stars is always always appreciated, but just give me an authentic review and let us know what you think of the interview. Now, I'm going to be introducing, it is my honor, I should say, to introduce, he's the tournament director and owner of Shake It Up Dance Cheer and Dance and Cheer Competition. And he has a very vast knowledge of of this cheer and dance scene. Like it's a wide knowledge of this. Uh, he's been into it since the 70s. Um, he, he's been introduced to it since the 70s and he has a big hand in all of it now. Um, he even has a child of his who has, what did you say, 11 national championships, 11 national titles yep. in the cheer scene at some capacity, which is absolutely insane. That's between you know the individual stuff, the club, the school, everything. So our guest is Wesley Nelson, and he is joining us to share some more and, and, and educate us all, including myself, on the topic. So Wesley, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Thank you. It's good to be here. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So here's a funny connection, guys. Wesley happens to be the father of one of my best friends in the entire uh, world. And you know, I'm going to be completely real with you, Wesley. I knew, I knew Tyler for... I mean, well, I mean, I've known Tyler since he was in high school, but I didn't really know him as a friend until about two or three years ago. And we didn't really right. connect as friends. And I knew him for well over a year and a half, two years before he randomly just drops this bomb on me that 
his dad is like well connected in this space. He's like, Oh, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but my dad, and he just starts telling me all this stuff. I'm like, yo, why has <laughs> this guy not been on my show? Why have we not talked about it? What in the oh. world? So it is just, it's so funny. Cause Tyler's like, Oh yeah. Just nonchalantly just saying it. But I'm like a guy of your magnitude in this sport needs to be, you know, able to share this on a platform because we need to educate more people. So I'm excited to have you. I, I want to rewind the clock, Wesley, and talk about, you know, the cheer and dance scene and and when you became involved in it and why you became involved in it. So do you mind breaking that down for us? I don't mind at all. It was a fluke. <laughs> um, so I lived over in the Rexburg area in 1977. I actually was working for JCPenney's and I helped open the new JCPenney store after the Teton Dam flood in the Rexburg area. And I was... As a fluke, I was on a talent show at the Eastern Idaho State Fair, and I won this talent show, and somebody in the audience saw me dance and came up and said, will you choreograph my dance team's uh, competition number because we want to do Russian folk dancing, and I had just done the Russian number from the Nutcracker Suite on this talent show. So I started choreographing in 1977 for Madison High School. Their coach, and I was just, let me tell you, the first job I did, I got paid $75 for a 12-minute show that I choreographed. Oh, wow. In, in 1977. Nowadays, they pay between $1,200 and $1,500 for a two-minute show. So <laughs> Goodness, times have changed, eh? <laughs> it, just a little bit. Anyway, then the director um, decided not to be a director anymore. They needed an interim coach. I wasn't at that time, well, I'm not now either, certified to teach. So I would coach on the side under a teacher's name. And I coached Madison High School for three years and then moved back over to Boise. So I have coached at Madison, Boise High School, Meridian High School, South Fremont High School, uh, Payette High School, and a second stint at Meridian High School. And um, times have changed a lot from when we were doing 12 to 15 minute shows. Now doing, they do four two-minute shows state was this last weekend at the idaho ford center for both dance and cheer i was able to be there both days um and uh or two, over two thousand athletes competed this last weekend so uh i choreographed a lot i started judging in 1979 and now at the age of 69 <laughs> i am still doing it um and for the most part there were only one or two men doing it uh, in the dance end. Um, and now there's quite a few in the cheer end. But uh, Jim Perkins and I were the only two in the uh, dance category and the men's are uh, in uh, that were male uh, coaches or choreographers. Now, to that point, I want to ask you a question then, Wesley, to kind of piggyback off of that. You were kind of pioneers in regards to that, like being the male figures, some of the only male figures in the sport as far as coaching and, and whatnot, judging and all that. 
where you were respected by those who were competing. So the the majority of them, I'm assuming, were female. Were you respected by them and their their supporters, such as family members and whatnot? Did what was the, I guess, what was the reception of the audience um, at that time? It it was okay. It was good. Um, I was the first coach ever to have a co-ed team. Now oh, wow. you see them quite often, but at, at Boise High School. Um, we only had six girls and um, we were going against teams of 48 and I needed to do something. And there were several band members that said, hey, we we do it. And they were guys. So I had 12 guys and ended up with eight girls. And when you ask about respect, um, we worked really hard, um, especially the third year and had come a long, long ways. And I'll be honest, when we started, oh my gosh, we were bottom of the barrel and uh, we were doing everything we could to do it right. And uh, by that third year, we honestly thought we were going to uh, make it to the finals of PNW, was, which used to be considered the state competition in the Idaho area, Pacific Northwest. They brought teams from all over, and it was held at Capitol High School for, I don't know, 25, 30 years. It's no longer, unfortunately. But in 1986, uh, we did a routine, uh, all Latin routine, and we scored from then there were four judges. We scored a 96 and 95 a 97 and a 27 and we did not make it into the finals and what was on the score sheet said boys don't belong on dance team wow now if that happened nowadays do you know <laughs> what political mess that would cause um and because of that they changed the whole a criterion of how you get in the finals in dancing, not only do you get scored raw scores, now you have what's called ordinals and a judge actually gives you a placement first, second, third, fourth, fifth. And uh, the winners are by ordinal points, not raw, raw points like they do in cheer. Wow. <clears throat> That's great. And you said that was 1986. Is that right? 86 or 87. One of those two years. Yes. Man, that was before I was born, but that is crazy to even think about it. Like, that's just crazy to me. But I'm sitting there thinking about it. Yeah, like you said, if that were to happen today, whoa, dude. Because I was sitting here thinking, how did you have that drastic of a change in a scorecard? And then all of a sudden you said, you know, that's what was written on it. That's cool, though. I mean, again, not only were you one of the only males as, that was helping coach, but you were helping with the co-ed scene of it all, too, and and showing that uh, it was a an activity for everyone. Now, oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say right after that, um, California, Utah for a while, they don't do it anymore, um, actually had a co-ed division. California still does. And and they actually have a co-ed division uh, that down at Na one of the nationals. There's several nationals now, but what used to be considered the national um, actually made a co-ed division just shortly after that. Look at that. Paving the way. I love that. So <clears throat> here's a question that comes out uh, a lot, Wesley. And, and this has come from me. It's come from a lot of friends of mine. Um, I, I'm curious your thoughts, having been in the scene, whether or not cheer and dance are sports. My wife was a competitive dancer all through high school. She was, I mean, she went to Hawaii to, you know, dance at the, the, the 
uh, Pro Bowl over there with her team. Like, I mean, there's me and her have debates all the time. Whether or not they are sports. And now I want to remind everybody real quick that, you know, Wesley does not represent the IDHSAA, which is the Idaho High School Activities Association. So I just want to remind everybody that real quick. But I do want your opinion. I respect it. That's because you've been a big figure in this scene. The sports conversation. There's Are they a sport? Are they not a sport? I want your professional opinion on the matter. In my humble opinion, absolutely. It's a sport. Both dance and cheer. I think it's really interesting as I've been watching the Olympics. And if you watched Nathan Chang, Chen just win the gold medal that so in skating that is considered a sport. Um, background is ballet. I've been asked several times to go to football teams to teach them ballet exercises and um, fundamentals to help with flexibility. Um, our son that was a cheerleader at Boise State, he also cheered for Bora High School and Idaho Cheer, um, was a football player, was not big enough to go on and play high school football, but he was also a gymnast, which is a sport. And guess what he needed they needed in cheerleading is a gymnast <laughs> to do all the tumbling and the stunts. And if you can hold someone that's almost your same weight above your head and um, hold them there and then catch them and uh, stand up, if you're not a strong athletic person, let me tell you, um, if that isn't sport, I don't know what is. I don't know how many broken noses he's had for people coming down with their arms out and hitting his nose. But these athletes train as hard, if not harder in some areas than any other high school or college athlete. Not only do cheerleaders perform at every game, be it volleyball, basketball, men's, women's, some some schools even have them cheering at wrestling matches, but then they compete. Do they get a hour during school to to uh, practice? Do they even get the gyms? They practice at four forty five in the morning, five o'clock to six thirty. A lot of them, or six forty five to seven thirty. They fight for gym time. They fight <laughs> to be able to practice uh, and now that they've moved state up into february it was this weekend now girls state basketball we used to have it the third week of march at least we got some gym time after that um and they uh after boys basketball was over we'd have a week or two that we could actually use gyms now this year they had to fight to get any gym time and you talk about small 1A, 2A schools whose kids are not only on the dance team, the cheer team, the basketball team, choir band and everything else, trying to get them to be able to compete and do these things because they're doing all these other sports. And 90% of the schools do not offer a credit for being on a PE credit for being on cheer or dance. Wow. That's a fight. 
And that's a fight that's probably been going on for a long time. It still continues to be one that I don't think a lot of people yes. even realized. Like that's that's something that's that's why I need to bring you on here to share this information. You got to educate us all on that. I want to I want to elaborate on something you mentioned, you know, the training aspect of it all. You know, <clears throat> we used to laugh and joke about, you know, the cheerleaders. I I love like I got a lot of friends that are cheerleaders, okay? So like to them there's <laughs> no disrespect here. They know this. Like but we would laugh about stuff like, "Oh, it's not a sport or it is a sport, whatever it may be." But hearing you say that, I want to ask this. Could you elaborate on what a, a normal practice is, whether it be for dance or cheer? What are, what's the training that it looks like? Because it just like any other sport, you have the on, like basketball, for example, you know, two or three hours in the afternoon at school, you're doing your drills, you're running with your, your coaches, running you through sets. But what, what's also going on is weight training on the back end and getting shots up on the back end. And you're doing all this stuff that's outside of that two hour window. So I, I'm curious for a cheerleader or a, a, a dance competitor, especially at a high level, what does it look like for them when it comes to their training? Well, most of your high level, your, your schools that will win year in and year out. Um, Highland High School's all-girl cheer team has just won state. And I may be off a year or two, but I think they've won like 12 of the last 13 years. And Rocky Mountain beat them one year when Tobruk was there. Um, Eagle High School just won their sixth state dance championship. Um, you know, it goes in cycles, um, but these kids not only do their practices at the school, they're in other gyms doing tumbling. They're in gyms doing stunting. You don't have time in an hour and a half practice in the morning to, to get ready for a game, to get ready for competition, to do halftime uh, performances and all of the fundraising that has to be done because these kids don't get dimes from the from the school basketball has gates that and football you know that help pay these cheerleaders and dancers don't they pay everything out of pocket so they have to fundraise besides doing everything else so a cheerleader has to be able to tumble and i'm not and i'm not meaning a cartwheel or a round off Nowadays, if you can't do a standing back tuck, uh, a double, then they've got stunting to do. And um, if you've never stunted in your life, let me tell you, it takes a lot more uh, muscle control, core control um, than any basketball or football player <laughs> knows how to control. Um, total different set of muscles. And not only practicing as a team they have to practice individually as well so most of them spend another 12 to 15 hours in the gym off campus besides everything else they're doing goodness gracious see i want this to i want to do this to gain a little perspective and give a little perspective to those listening okay let's talk about the mental aspect of it too one thing i will i've always given credit i will continue to give credit for this is the mental side of it um especially like choreographed routines, whether it be for cheer or dance, when I see people doing stuff, especially when it's a competition side of things. Like there's one thing when you're doing halftime shows and whatnot, which is still stressful. Uh, but then there's another thing when you're doing it competitively and, and you've got to be judged on this and the choreograph, like the choreography, um, the mental side of something, one, to not mess up. And then two, if you do mess up when that does happen, how to immediately forget it and keep going on to the next thing. It's the quote unquote, 
next play mentality um, that I've always admired about those who compete in, in these activities, right? These sports of cheer or dance and or dance. Talk to me about that, Wesley, as a coach, I guess, especially. Did you deal with that a lot? And how did you help your your athletes overcome that hiccup? That one thing's physical, but the other side is mental. You can be the most skilled thing, but as soon as you mess up, sometimes, especially youth, like the youth that are like teenage kids, they can spiral out of control quickly. So I'm just curious what you experienced in that realm. One of the the biggest things as a coach is, is I always said, do not telegraph your mistake. Do not let people know in the audience that you made a mistake. They don't know the routine. And you've got to, you've got to go on. And it is the hardest thing to do. I cannot tell you, uh, working the cheer floor this weekend, seeing all these people coming back behind the black curtain and then losing it because they had a fall or they had missed something. And the other thing that people don't understand is these kids have all these technical rules they have to follow. If they, in cheerleading in a basket toss, if you tip your head back too far, it's a deduction. Oh, and wow. it's not just a point deduction, it's a deduction from every judge. And, and it can make or break a whole routine. If you drop a stunt in, in cheer will change completely the scores and you choreograph to score sheets to maximize how many points you can get. And as a coach, you have to be very astute on what your technical abilities are and you have to maximize those. And then you have to minimize your weaknesses by choreographing around those and adding the showmanship and creativity or a prop or something else to take out the technical part you don't have. It's just like when you're doing basketball, you've got your shooters that you're going to put in certain areas. Well, when you're choreographing, you put your performers in certain areas and camouflage what you can. But also what you have to realize for these athletes is getting them to forget they've got a panel of judges sitting that they're staring at the whole time and trying to read their faces on what they're doing. And um, it's not like a referee. And yes, referees make bad calls, but these judges are normal, regular people. And they may not like your music. They may not like what you're wearing. They may not like what your coach or the choreographer did. And even though personal um, opinions aren't supposed to come in, let's be honest, we're all human. And just like I didn't like the halftime show yesterday, I'm getting beat up on social media because everybody your age. <laughs> I loved it. That's the best halftime show of all time. <laughs> <laughs> loved it. And all my kids loved it, but it's a generational thing. And so teaching kids to leave it on the floor and being able to get over the mistake, you have to build them up after those mistakes. And watching coaches this weekend going, you covered it. You did well. One girl was freaking out. She thought she had caused a penalty and the coach went over. She didn't get a penalty. 
her mood completely changed. So coaches and parents have to emphasize that mistakes happen and it's how you cover the mistake and it's how you go on. Um, it's like you always hear about shooters. Um, you don't stop shooting the ball because you miss a basket. Well, you don't stop competing and you don't stop dancing because you fell out of a turn or you fell out of a stunt. You do it again and you do it again and practice makes perfect. I love that. I love everything you're saying right there. I think a coach comes in really handy right there and parents, but like the person is there, like the mentor, the leader of the crew can make a, a world of a difference in the way that you help them overcome those little obstacles too. Like it's, it's no different than a teammate, you know, don't hang your head when your teammate misses a shot, like lift them up. Exactly. But you got to lift them up because if you keep going down, you spiral out of control, the show must go on. I'm going to use a reference real quick of a, of a church leader. His name's Russell M. Nelson um, of the church that I frequent. And there, he was a world renowned heart surgeon. And this is what it reminded me of. And, and Russell Nelson was talking about when he was in, in a surgery room, I was reading this book on his life. He talked about how there's the assistants that are around the actual surgeon and the surgeon's doing his thing. And he was one of the assistants one time. And one of uh, the surgeon was getting really frustrated with everything that was going on. It's a high stress situation. You're doing heart surgeries is pretty stressful. Right. And one of the assistants messed up and he just belittled her. Um, you know, the surgeon just got really mad and belittled her and all this stuff. And what I really respected about Russell M. Nelson was that he said at that time he made it a goal that he would never do that. When he became a surgeon, he would never do that because the mood in the room, the, the show must go on. If somebody makes a mistake, you still got to, you got this person's life on the line with their heart in your hands. And so if your assistant makes a mistake because they forgot to do something or hand you the right tool or whatever it may be, the last thing you want to do is like tear them down because then they, that's what they're focusing on when they should be focused on the actual heart in their hand, right? Like that they're trying to help. So it kind of reminds me of these situations. And, and there's another guy I, I, I have a massive respect for. His name is Trevor Moad. And Trevor, rest in peace, he just passed away in September, but I, I love his books. He wrote It Takes What It Takes, and he also wrote Getting Into Neutral. His whole thing is about neutral thinking, and he he helps athletes get into that neutral thinking. So I would think that would be a huge thing for cheerleaders and dancers um, to understand and, and study the concept of neutral thinking. Those two books are phenomenal. He works with Russell Wilson from the NFL. He's his mental oh, wow. consultant. He worked with the Alabama football team for years up until just two years ago, Georgia, all these massive football programs, uh, Michigan State, Mel Tucker he teaches them neutral thinking and just how to like downshift into neutral. So if you make a mistake, you just, you're literally focusing, you're not overly positive and you're definitely not negative. You're in neutral so that you can go at any moment to the next step. Um, and I think that'd be a huge thing. So just a shout out to anybody who competes, whether it's a parent or an actual competitor in cheer or dance or a coach for that matter. Um, I would, I would highly encourage you to check out Trevor Moad's work because he helps athletes specifically get into that neutral mindset to overcome the adversity that happens and the pressure that happens in a, in a competitive setting. I, um, speaking of the pressures, Wesley, I do want to ask you this, you know, we talked before we started recording about the age in which these, these kids are starting to compete, especially in the cheer scene too. Like, I mean, I've got a ton of friends of mine whose daughters are all in the, you know, the club scene and they're out in Florida, they're everywhere. I mean, they're traveling. It's just like club basketball now and club soccer. They're everywhere. I think it's a good thing because they're getting introduced to this but do you think that actually provides a little bit of mental stress on these youth? Like how can, is this, a, is it a positive thing to see the sport evolving so fast? I, I, I love it and I hate it <laughs> at the same time. Um, I have a granddaughter that is on a competitive team and one of the top teams here in the state. And 
She just came back from Washington State. They're going to Las Vegas this weekend. Um, our youngest son started competitive soccer when he was nine. We went all over the United States. He even had competitions in Hawaii. What you have to be careful of as a parent, as a coach, is you've got to let them know when it's okay to fail because in competitive cheerleading as in competitive dance the tv show dance moms did not help the dance world it may in my opinion um and i know it was a tv show i know a lot of it was staged i understand all that but i had to really tone down as a parent in both as an athletic parent or as when my kids were doing anything because i'm very very competitive the kids still have to be kids and so yes i do think it teaches them a ton of teamwork of fulfilling goals for being able to um, reach heights that kids at eight nine and ten didn't even think of three or four years ago but if they're tired take a year off it's okay um, if you think you're going to get a scholarship because you're doing all of these club things, you have to realize how many thousands of people are doing that and how few hundred scholarships there are overall. If the kids are burned out, recognize it. Don't push so hard that they become just another thrown away pawn from a chessboard. Um, because I've seen a lot of cheerleaders, they're doing skills nowadays and dancers that by the time they reach high school, they've had so many injuries, they're tired. They just wanna go to a school dance. They don't want to be in another competition that weekend and miss all of those. Um, you dance comp dancers in that are in studios and dance teams are doing competitions from november all the way through may and then it's time to start all over for the next school year so you have to find a balance i'm taking notes here november oh. through may find a balance that is huge i you know it's funny you mentioned a tv show so i was actually thinking of a show on netflix called cheer from the directors uh -huh. of last chance you it's the same style documentary and yep. i watched that and you can see the quote-unquote burnout and i know that's at the collegiate level but that's at the junior college collegiate level if you will right, and right. i it mean but there was some burnout there there the, the high demands of stress and the injuries um the pre-existing injuries that people had from the earlier times in high school and be, before that before they even get to the junior college level and I know that was probably like you were mentioning the other show. It's probably a little bit. I don't necessarily know if it's staged, but it is a little bit different in the in the editing that they do to make it a little amplified at times. But it did give me a little insight as to what it's really like for those athletes. It is a grueling, grueling situation for them, and it affects their personal life too. So I'm glad that you shared that insight in regards to what the parents can do too. Just recognize what your kids are going through. It's a good thing. 
at times, you know, it teaches them a lot of things, but just keep an eye on them and make sure they understand it. You know, Wesley, I had a question for you that I, I wrote up here at the very top when I was talking to you. I, I take notes while I'm talking to my, my guest. So I, I always, re- I, I recommend this for anyone who listens to podcasts. If you're listening to it on your, on your phone or something, pop up your notepad. If you have an iPhone or an Android or whatever, pop up a notepad when you listen to any podcast, that's finances, religion, politics, sports, whatever it may be, pop up your notepad and take notes of things that you hear because like they'll stick with you. You might forget it later on down the road, but just always take a note. So one thing you had mentioned is, you know, it's 1977, you had started and you're talking about Madison and all the different schools you had actually coached at and all this stuff. You've got a lot of experience and currently you're still helping with it all tournament director and owner of shake it up dance and cheer competition, um, which we will ask you about here in just a second, but I want to know what's your favorite event or favorite team that you've coached over the course of all of these years that you've been <laughs> involved with the sport. There's a lot that goes in there. I was looking at all the dates. I'm like, my goodness, you've probably seen been a part of amazing teams that you had even talked about the Boise team and pulling together a first co-ed team and all this stuff. There's a lot of memories, but do you have one that stands out to you? Well, my kids at Payette high school were phenomenal. And, and this is the reason when I started choreographing Sandy Holloway was was the director. And Sandy and I actually met at my very first competition with Madison High School at the Mini Dome competition, which is no longer. It was a football competition for football halftimes. And um, she had Payette over there. And um, but we. Uh, she did it for the love of the kids. They didn't have a dance studio. They they were having to compete with Valley View and Shelly. And this is in the old 3A days when Valley View, Emmett, Cuna, Shelly, um, Sugar Salem, all of those were 3A schools. And they had to do 15, 12 to 15 minute shows. Um, and you did them in sections and all this different things. And then all of a sudden, Capital started bringing in props and backgrounds. And so you needed a theatrical background to also do it. So the first show I ever did with Payette, I made nine foot grand pianos out of foam core in my garage, which my wife hated because we had the outline of the grand piano top because I had spray painted them on the garage floor and it didn't come off until we repainted the floor. The kids at Payette wanted so badly to compete with the bigger schools and to have the respect of the crowd. And those kids did everything and anything I asked and went over and beyond. I did coach a team later that had tons and tons of talent but they knew it and they didn't want to put in the practice. They wanted to be a national champion, which they ended up getting one, but they didn't. And the parents didn't want to put in the effort that other schools that were consistently being national champions that it took. My kids at Payette, if you asked them to jump, they'd ask how high in the air. And um, I will never forget those kids as long as I live or their parents or the school administration in backing you as a coach. I love that. That is, that's the, those are the types of stories I want to hear the, the good stuff. Um, hey, yeah, I'll go ahead. We, we had a volcano in one of our, in one of the shows 
and we had to pay a fine to Capitol High School because I put a little too much gunpowder in the explosive to shoot off the flame, and we put a little burnt mark on the basketball court. We had to have it repainted, so we had to pay a $500 fine. <laughs> oh, I love that, though. That gives a whole new meaning to go big or go home. You know what I mean? That's right. I love that. That's but They could see the flame as it came out. <laughs> there was no mistake in what was going on there. Just have to pay. You know, it's that whole thing of – uh what is it? Ask for forgiveness later. Like Absolutely. do it now, ask for forgiveness later kind of thing. You don't ask for permission. You just do it. Then ask for forgiveness. Well, and as a coach, I did everything that I could think of to be different and creative so that the kids stood out and so that they felt like they, they couldn't compete with those bigger schools as far as athletic ability and stuff but we gave everything we could to be on the same level in every other playing field it's so cool man and you can tell just by talking to you about this like where your heart's at too um it's 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 in it for the kids and i think that's so awesome you have a little bit deeper understanding of what like what this is actually going to do for them i think that's super cool you know wesley i'm, I'm looking here i want to ask more about this uh the shake it up dance and cheer competition you know how long has this been been around and Talk to us about this so that those who are listening who might not be familiar but are interested now after hearing your story can find out more about it. So let's talk about Shake It Up. Well, Shake It Up is is a sanctioned uh, Idaho Activities Association competition. It is for schools. Uh, we have a middle school category and, of course, the high school in both dance and cheer. We do do, do a solo competition for dance. Um this was the first year and I teamed up with Nampa High School and I have to put a shout out to Nampa Kelly Rich and Stephanie Higgins, the dance and cheer coach at Nampa High School and the administrators have embraced this. Guys, we had a full gym. We were kicking people out uh, for the first year. We had 18 cheer teams and 12 dance teams. We had 44 soloists. And uh, one of the things I... I'm part of the Idaho Coaches uh, Chair and Dance Coaches Association as a judge and a uh, tournament director. And so I'm a member of that association. And I was on the judges panel for the coaches summer convention. And I knew this as a coach, but one of the things they asked said is we don't understand when people, judges write down comments they score one way, write down comments, and they don't always gel. So one of the things we do different at this competition, and it takes a little longer to do, but every judge is assigned teams. And at the end of the competition, not only do the kids get the score sheets and the judges' comments, they get a one-on-one -on -one for 15 minutes with one of the judges that I've assigned to that team. So the judge can go in and say, this is what we saw. This is why we scored this. This is what we suggest. And we do our competition early in the year. So it's a roadmap to state. And the feedback I've got from coaches, parents, and athletes is that 15 minutes was worth the entire competition season because it, the kids got to ask the judge, what they're looking for. The coach has got to say, wait a minute, you made this comment, this is scored, why was it scored that way? And so they were able to um, 
get that live feedback. And uh, that puts us in a different league from other competitions because of that. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, I know many of people who would love to talk to a referee after a game <laughs> and get 15 minutes one-on-one on something. Hey, like, yeah, it's great feedback and all, but can you explain to me um, how you missed that face mask on an offensive PI or how you exactly. saw this? I, like, there's a, there's a lot of, um, a lot of questions that could come up, but I, I commend you for doing that. There's a, there's a, a, a debate about officials and sports and whether or not they should have to, or, you know, respond to anybody in that regard of like having to talk about their games when the athletes have to talk about them, right? They have press conferences for coaches and athletes and they have to answer the hard questions. Right. So should judges or, or referees, officials in any way, should they have to do it? And um, you know, you don't see that in any capacity. So this, the fact that you're even allowing that opportunity to give feedback, it sounds like the respect from both sides, whether there was frustration or not, it sounds like there was respect mutually on both sides of like just the mere fact that you were there doing that like absolutely it gives you a respect factor that they might be a little bit uh, uh you know frustrated with your call or, or something but they at it, least have an explanation as to what your mindset was behind it 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 does and it also helps coaches understand judges and judges understand coaches having been a coach a choreographer a judge and a parent i know all of the fl frustrations I know I've been yelled at and screamed at as a coach. I've been yelled at and screamed at as a judge. And I yelled and screamed as a parent. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I know the whole gamut. Um, there was a team this last week, and, and I, I, I won't say who it is or anything else, that a lot of people in the military division for um, dance, one with a very different type of routine because they went out of the norm and and i've had several people say but it wasn't military well if you take it from the score sheet and go right down the sheet yes it was now it was different than what they were used to and different with other people but i will tell you as a judge it was fresh and it was nice to see something different and it wasn't the same but that's where where you have a ref and the fouls and everything, judging for dance especially, cheer is pretty cut and dry. You have to count how many tosses, how many stunts, how many tumbling. But dance is very subjective and it's technique and it's style. And a style may not be your style, but you have to be so careful as a judge to not judge your your style against somebody else's style, but at the same time, recognize that it doesn't have to be the same as everybody else. And it's, it's very difficult. I take judging very, very, very seriously. I spend hours watching because it scares me to death. The older I get that I'm losing that I'm not up with the times that I'm not just like the halftime entertainment, you know, <laughs> I have to judge hip hop. And let me tell you, it's very hard. Hip hop is such a different kind of dance. And uh, so I spend hours watching and YouTubing 
and watching every national and all of the great teams trying to judge and see why they got that way so that I'm fair and I'm consistent and I'm being able to give these athletes um, recommendations, not that they need to change it because of my opinion, but what could help them score better the next time. I love that. I, I have a mad respect for you too, for the, the time you put in. I can speak from experience in regards to a little bit of that. And I'll be open and honest with people in the college football world. I'm just going to try to make a, a comparison here. I'm a Blitnikoff award voter and the Blitnikoff award goes towards the college football's best receiver. So I'm on the voting board for that. And I will be honest. I know for a fact, and this is after speaking to college coaches and everything, even at Ohio state university, the big schools that I, that I follow that not everybody, uh, all the voters, like there's a vast majority of them that do not pay attention to anything that's going on outside of the teams that they're focusing on and whatnot, because you just have so many hours in a day. It's very difficult to see all these people. So they'll send us out a sheet to vote on each week. There's no prereqs there to say, Hey, I've seen all these guys play. I've watched every one of these guys games. They have the stats, they have the players names and we check a box at the end of the season. A player gets awarded the Blitnikoff award. And they, that's a, that's a prestigious award to have best receiver in college football for the year. And, uh, and I'm sitting there thinking there sometimes Wesley, I'm like, yeah, I know for a fact, like a lot of people didn't see this dude play or they didn't see the other guys play. And, <laughs> and it's a little, it's a little odd. It's um, and a lot of it's personal opinion. A lot of it's just laziness and so forth. So I have a massive respect because I too try my hardest when I see the finalists come up on the, on the board to at least find footage of their games that I can judge off of rather than just doing a stat sheet. So for somebody like yourself who puts the time in, that's not always the case. You'd like to think it is for people, but you know, people have lives and it's they get priorities and they get busy and they don't necessarily always stay up with that. So that's something that from an athlete to a judge, even if it's a different sport, I want to say I commend you and I appreciate you for Thank that. Thank you. So, Thank you. The the last two questions I have for you. Yes. This, this has been amazing, by the way. I, I well, just thank you. <laughs> the last two questions I have. One was regarding club and um, school cheer and dance, I guess. Club is a huge thing around the entire world, especially here in the United States, though. Club is – you got club basketball, club soccer. They even have, you know, football starting to get in the mix, but there's, there's dance, there's cheer, there's volleyball. Club, a lot of people say, Wesley, that club is where you go to get recruited. Um, high school sports are where you go to play and, and win tournaments and learn te teamwork and all this stuff. But club is where you go to get recruited because that's where you get to go get the national exposure for, across the board. But I don't know how it is for cheer and dance. So can you talk to me about the differences between the two? Yes. Um, we actually took our son off the school cheer team to club, hoping that he would get a scholarship, which he ended up doing going to BSU. It wasn't, and it was because a lot of your coaches on the high school level not so much in the Boise Valley, okay? Um, now, you have to realize, again, this was back early 2000s and things had changed a lot. Um, coaches for cheer at that time was the home ec teacher or, or the first-year teacher that they needed somebody to be in charge of the cheer team and they had no idea what cheer was all about especially competing and and doing stunts and that's when the stunt world was just really starting um you know 
when Nampa was winning some nationals back in the 80s without mats and everything and what they were doing and, and the injuries. And there were no rules and regs and all that kind of stuff. So we personally took our son and put him into all-star. You do have some very knowledgeable coaches, especially in the Boise Valley, um, some in the Eastern Idaho area, in the larger schools that, that understand the risks, that understand the health issues that will have the kids doing the weight training, as you talked about earlier, running stairs, doing all of the cardio and eating correctly, sleeping correctly. But you get down into the 3A, 2A, 1A level, and you still have moms who were cheerleaders for that school 20 years ago and has a daughter, and that's the coaches. So, yes, there are people that are using especially club cheer to get to the top level cheer programs because when you look at the kentuckys that have won nationals for and the louisvilles and the tennessees again we're talking schools in the south <laughs> these kids have been cheering since they're eight or nine and you're going to have 300 girls vying for 12 spots 24 spots same in the dance world. If they can't do a triple pirouette, if they can't do several different kinds of turns, leaps, have the technique, if they're not in a studio, they're not going to get those scholarships in college. Because again, on the high school level, they don't have the gym time. They don't have dance studios. Our kids, our dancers for these dance teams, guys are training on a gym floor. They don't have mirrors. They don't have the, the right floor that dance studios have. That's why we have the knee injuries and all that kind of stuff. So unfortunately, for those that it's like AAU basketball, if you're not on an AAU basketball team, are you going to be on the high school team? In the Boise area, Nampa area, or uh, Canyon County, if you're not in a studio as a dancer, you may have a hard time getting on the dance squad. Um, and you're going to have a really hard time not getting a college scholarship if you do not have club chair and studio dance. Wow. That's so, it's so insightful though. It's, it's the stuff that people don't realize from the outside looking in, especially like just the, uh, you know, spectators, I don't realize what goes on and, and the politics and the necessities of this stuff. It's a different day and age. And it's uh, if you want to do those things and you want to compete at a high level, then there are sacrifices that probably have to be made and you're, you're going to have to do both. And that's just the reality of it. Now, the last question for you, Wesley, of all your experience in the sport, I should say sports because they're two separate, but in, 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 uh, in regards to cheer and dance, I should say, okay. What's the biggest life lesson that those two have taught you? I'll tell you one thing. I wish I had the knowledge now at 69, at 20 something as a first, second, even a 10 year coach. Um, I would have been a little kinder. I would have been 
a little more loving, even though I think I was, but I was hard. And I expected a lot. And every day we have to remember, I don't care if you're judging or you're a coach or you're a parent, you don't know what happened that day in the life of that athlete. And what happens outside of that hour and a half, two hours you have with them affects that hour and a half, two hours. And I would have been more caring of the outside world that's going on in their life than just walking in and being able to throw that out and now give me 110% all the time. Um, coaches have to be able to let kids be kids. But you need to demand the respect. You need to, but you've got to earn it. You can't demand it. You have to earn it. And you have to be that shining example that they want to perform and work for you as a coach. And I wish I had done more of that younger. You know, we live and we learn. But the thing is, is now you're able to pass that information on to people. So that's what my hope is, you know, you probably still got quite a bit of time left doing this stuff, but for the ones that are barely getting started, like you were in the late seventies right now, hopefully they can take your words and just implement that now into their lives. Cause that's the importance. You know, when we go through life experiences, all of us do, and we all learn as we get older, but we hope that we can share that information and pass it down so that other people can learn from it earlier. So they don't run into that same thing, you know? And I think sure. that's an important piece. So I appreciate you, Wesley, for sharing that. And I just want to say, you know, for all those who are listening, I hope you enjoyed this. This is a, a first time for me here on the show. So, you know, I hope everyone enjoys this and leaves a review regarding the podcast. But Wesley, I just want to say thanks once again for being willing to join me and, and share your expertise with all of us, man. Thank you so much. I yeah, appreciate I, it. You're very welcome. And for those listening, make sure you're subscribed to the show. Tune in next week. We'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.